0: If the New York Mets are completely out of the race by the trade deadline, will they move or keep Pete Alonzo? I'll break it all down on today's show. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans, you're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, what I want to do is discuss Corbin Burns getting traded and how that philosophy that the Brewers have had about dealing players before it's too late could end up affecting the Mets at the deadline this year with Pete Alonzo. So in the first segment, we'll talk about Burns. the second segment, I want to talk about this idea of if the Mets are completely out of the race, would they trade Alonzo at the deadline to make sure they got value? Then in the final segment, I'll still make the case for why the Mets should do everything they can to hold on to Pete long-term. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, Follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers who join today will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. It's at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now, I've avoided talking about Pete Alonso getting traded on this show because, for one, I don't want it to happen, and I really don't believe it's going to happen. I think the Mets are going to carry Pete Alonzo into the season on this contract year. I think Alonzo is going to have a great season. The Mets are going to be in the race in some capacity at the trade deadline, where they're going to ride things out knowing that worst case scenario, they'll still get a comp pick, and otherwise, they'll hope to just re-sign him in free agency. But today, I want to explore what happens if this season doesn't go as planned, and the Mets have an awful year because there was just a big trade in Major League Baseball involving David Stern's former team that could illuminate us on his philosophy when it comes to players on expiring contracts. Of course, I'm talking about Corbin Burns getting traded from the Milwaukee Brewers to the Baltimore Orioles. Now, this is the second time in the last couple of years where the Brewers have made a trade that has made all of us sort of scratch our heads, wondering, all right, why exactly did they do this? First, it was the Josh Hader deal. And who was running the show then? It was still David Stearns. But he decides to look at the long-term for the franchise. He gets Estuary Ruiz back in the deal. Then Estuary Ruiz is later flipped for William Contreras. And it ends up being a great move for the Milwaukee Brewers as they end up with a top three catcher in baseball for the last year and a half of Josh Hader. Win from the Brewers as a franchise. So now here they are again, making a trade that surprised us. And it's not because any of us really believe that Corbin Burns is going to play the entire year at the Brewers. It's the timing of it because it comes right off the heels of them signing Reese Hoskins in free agency. It felt like, all right, maybe they're going to make one last push with Corbin Burns season goes. Well, they will try to win the world series with Burns and get their comp pick and send them off into the sunset. But no, they trade them and they, they trade them for a package. From the Orioles that gave them, you know, two top 100 talents. Um, DL Hall is no longer a prospect, but he certainly was a top 100 talent as a you know pitcher that has nasty stuff. His worst case scenario at this point is an elite relief pitcher. His best case scenario is maybe an elite starting pitcher. So they get DL Hall, they get Joey, Joey Ortiz, who right now could be their starting shortstop ultimately it is a trade that is for their long-term future. They also get a draft pick out of the deal and the Brewers have drafted well. So they saw Corbin Burns. They saw the writing on the wall. So we got to get some value here. And Matt Arnold made the move and traded him. Now I know David Stearns is no longer with the Brewers, but that does not remove him or his thinking from this trade. What I mean by that is you know, Matt Arnold learned at the hip of David Stearns, and I'm sure David Stearns will say "Hey, they work together It's a collaborative front office. I get it. But David Stearns is the one who built that front office in a lot of ways sort of set the tone for how they operate and how they hope to continue to operate as they want to be the National League Tampa Bay Rays who can find a way to turn over players and continue to be competitive year over year despite the fact that they're not going to have the resources to spend like a big market team because they aren't one. So when you have a player that's a year or two from free agency, go out and deal them. That's why Willie Adamas could be on the move. That's why Devin Williams could be on the move. And that's why next year Freddie Peralta could be on the move. It's about capitalizing on your assets. And, you know, just like you see Jed Hoyer with the Chicago Cubs running the show after Theo Epstein left, there's still that, you know, philosophy that Theo left with Hoyer. It's the same thing with Arnold. He came in. Uh, October of 2015, it's like one of the first things that David Stearns did when he you know took over that franchise is he hired Arnold to be you know his number two. And he was promoted to be the general manager in November of 2020. And then in October of 2021, he got an extension with the Brewers. And then eventually, when David Stearns stepped down to an advisor role for last season, Arnold got the gig. So I, I think that the communication between those two, the relationship is probably great. I don't think there's any surprise that the first thing that or the first trade that the Mets made was with the Brewers and Matt Arnold as the two teams sort of met on their needs. And I would not be surprised at all if those two teams continue to trade over the coming years. But that philosophy that's in place, that capitalize on your asset, that started from Stearns. And it's not a novel idea. It's not like it's something that other teams don't try to replicate. But it certainly makes you wonder. If the New York Mets are sitting in a position where they're at the trade deadline with no hope of being a playoff team in 2024, what do they do? Do they ride it out because they want to make sure that they keep Alonzo in their favor when it comes to free agency? Or does David Stearns look at a absolutely depreciating asset when it comes to the Mets, look at the last couple months of control, look at the opportunity to flip Alonzo, who would probably be the best bat available at the deadline? And, you know, trade him for 150 cents on the dollar, get back guys with years of control that can help the New York Mets. And then again, you could sign him in free agency, but it's definitely a lot easier said than done to make that type of a trade and be able to reunite with the player. More likely than not, you would be kissing the player goodbye. And so I want to go through the case for it, which we'll do in the next segment. And then we'll close the show looking at the case against it. Um, Before we get to any of that, though, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience are what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, to exhaust kits, to LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. eBay's guaranteed fit only available to US customers. Now, in this segment, I'm going to do something I never thought I would do when it comes to Pete Alonso. I'm going to make the case why the Mets should trade him at the deadline if they're out of the race. I'm going to play devil's advocate on myself because if you remove the emotion, and that is tough to do as a Mets fan that wants to see Pete Alonso wear this uniform for his entire career to set that home run record, as you know, to knock off Strawberry and be the all-time Mets leader in home runs, to see him, you know, run down 500 home runs in his career because they signed him for that long. And he's got that opportunity in front of him with what he's done at this early stage of his career, pushing up against 200 home runs before he even reaches free agency, to have a long career as a great run producer, and to just be a guy that you know has his number 20 retired one day. Like To me, it is really hard to sit here and, and ignore all that and then make the logical case of why you trade Pete Alonso at the deadline if you're out of the race. But let's do it. The New York Mets are sitting, you know, six games under, way out of the wild card race. And they're trying to decide what they do. All right. Look at the pitchers on your roster who have performed well. Maybe Jose Quintana or Sean Minai or Luis Severino, maybe one of those three guys is having a good year. If all of them were, your team's probably good. So you can't say, oh, they can just flip all of them. Most likely it's maybe one. Um, look at your relief pitchers. Obviously, you're not trading Edwin Diaz, but maybe there's you know a diamond or two in the rough in that bullpen. But we even saw last year, David Robertson was the closer of the Mets, and that's how they got a, a nice package. If they were able to get anything for Adam Ottavino or Brooks Raley last year, they probably would have flipped them. Anything of really good value, but they didn't. They kept them. Obviously, there was some level of team control that they factored in with Brooks Raley, a club option, with Adam Adovino, a player option, which he would decline and then come back on a cheaper contract and free agency. But the point is there's not a lot of value in what the Mets would have to offer at the trade deadline. It's basically if they made some good signs this year on these one-year deals, maybe one of those guys can get flipped. Maybe Omar and Revise having a nice con- or year you know, in his second year with the Mets um, as a backup catcher, but unlikely. So it's really you know, Harrison Bader, um, the three pitchers I already mentioned, Quintana, Manaya and Severino. Those are the guys that you could flip. At the Mets really are looking to turn the page to 2025 and continue to build out their farm system. We saw last year they don't want to just sit in the middle and do nothing. They're going to want to be sellers in some capacity. And that will leave you to have some really tough conversations about Pete Alonso. Because while I think his trade value would probably still disappoint Mets fans because it's ultimately a rental, he would get you something good. He could get you something very good depending on how many teams need a bat and if you can get a bidding war going. But let's just say you can get one prospect that's on the same level as what you got last year for Scherzer and Verlander. I'm not saying the Verlander deal because that was multiple user control. I'm saying like an Acuna or a Gilbert, that that level of a prospect for Pete Alonso. And even better if you can get that level of a prospect that's a pitcher. You're going to have, again, some really tough conversations in that front office of what do you do? Is David Stearns going to have some emotion here? Because when you run a franchise like the Brewers, Despite the fact that you know you're making all these decisions, you're you're bringing a franchise along, you're drafting players, you're developing players. There are relationships that you're still considering. You have to be cold hearted as a small market franchise that just can't retain your players long term. That's not the case here. You can ride the season out. You extend the qualifying offer to Pete Alonso. That ensures you're going to get some value back from him if you don't sign him. But you just maintain a good relationship all year. Pete, obviously, this is your last year before free agency. We want you to have a great season. Uh, you know, th- This is uh, obviously a big opportunity for you. And the fact that we're not going to sign you to an extension right now, there's no reflection of how we feel about you. And, and there's a way that you manage that relationship. I probably didn't do the best job just saying that off the cuff. But a guy like David Stearns, a front office that's in place, someone like Steve Cohen, they can keep that relationship good throughout this season and if the Mets come up short they can hang on to them and call them the first day of free and say Pete we want you don't don't mistake the fact that we never locked you up to that extension to to make you believe that we don't want to have you long term you're our top priority we understand you're going to want to meet with other teams but please come back to us we want to make sure that you're a New York met for the rest of your career and they can still get that deal done and I think that is an option that Stearns would never have had with the Brewers that would allow him to you know, consider the alternative of just moving a guy before they lose him to think, all right, we're not guaranteed to lose him. But he also could look at it and say, this is our one chance to get surplus value for Pete Alonso. And we always could try to revisit signing him in free agency, which rarely happens. You know, Roldis Chapman, uh, going back to the Yankees is one example of it. But typically, if a guy leaves, they're probably not coming back. If you especially if you trade them in particular. But I don't know. You him to a good situation to a small market team that's not going to be able to afford to keep them. Maybe it is trading them to uh Stern's old Brewers if they're somehow in the hunt. They got Hoskins there, but I don't know. Maybe they need a, an extra DH and you know, we move Hoskins to DH, Pete Alonso to first, and that actually happens. And he knows that the Brewers can't retain him. And no matter how good of a time he has drinking beer in Milwaukee and hitting home runs, he's going to be able to come back to the Mets potentially. I don't know. I, there is that scenario, I guess, that's out there. But more likely than not, if you're trading Pete Alonzo, it's accepting the fact that you really want whatever prospect that is that you'd be getting, that that prospect is a lot better than the qualifying offer. And acknowledging that you're going to have to find a new first baseman long-term. And maybe the reason why you trade him is because someone like Mark Vientos has had an unbelievable season as your DH. It's one of the good things that you had going for you. Think, all right, well, we can slide Vientos into first base and pivot and, and move on as a franchise and try to bring another star player in free agency. If it's not Pete, maybe you really do believe you have a shot at Juan Soto and That's the the long term vision. I I really don't know, but there will be the Mets are out of the race. A lot of dialogue going on in that front office about what to do with Pete Alonso. And that's why, as a fan, of course, you're hoping that these two sides can actually just hammer out an extension this offseason in spring training and they can call it and they don't have to worry about this thing. And Pete will just be a forever man. But Scott Boris is his agent with everything we've heard from the Mets this offseason. I don't think an extension is likely. And so that, as a fan, puts you in a position where you have to hope the Mets have a really good year. And that conversation is never broached if you are, you know, of the mindset that you want to see Alonzo in that Mets jersey for his career. Last segment here, what I want to do is talk about the Mets shouldn't do it. And it's not just the sentimental side of me, I do think there are some other reasons. Why they should avoid trading Pete Alonzo, even if they're in that scenario that I outlined where there's no chance at the playoffs and Mark Vientos is awesome. So I'll go through that in just a minute. First though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, it's all about scoring the best seat on the couch and grabbing your favorite football snacks. Also placing some super bets. You like to bet on every prop imaginable, whether it's the length of the National Anthem, it's going to be heads or tails on the coin toss, or you just want to bet on you know Patrick Mahomes over on passing yards. FanDuel has you covered. There are so many different ways that you can end the season with a W or two Ws or three Ws. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers to join today We'll get two hundred dollars in bonus bets if your first bet of five dollars or more wins. Visit Fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's fanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you're an everyday listener to the show and you don't want to miss out on any of your Locked On Mets coverage, make sure you become a Locked On Mets insider. This is our texting service where I can send you updates anytime some news happens on the Mets. It's also where I'll be sending out the lineup cards each day during the season and where you can ask me questions anytime. If you want to become a Locked On Mets insider, you can find the link in the episode description. or to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. All right. Why the Mets should not trade Pete Alonzo. So, Obviously, there's the fan sentimental side of it, but I really do question how much better the Mets could do than the qualifying offer um, when it comes to that comp pick that we get back. How much more value could they extract at the deadline than whatever that pick ends up being? Because you're going to probably get one really good piece, maybe you get a little bit more than that. Maybe there is a two prospect for Pete Alonso deal out there, but I just don't know how significant that value is going to be. And I would not want to alienate Alonzo before he goes into free agency because let's just say you trade him to the Chicago Cubs and Pete Alonzo is the reason that they make the playoffs and he hits a massive home run in a wild card game to give them a late lead and Wrigley Field's rocking and the Cubs win and they advance to the NLDS. They eventually get bounced by a better team, but he had some real moments in Wrigley. And now he goes into free agency with that feeling in his mind, in his heart. He, he remembers his time as a Cub as fondly as his time as a man. And then those are the two teams pursuing him free agency. Who is he going to choose if the offers are similar? The team that traded him or the team that traded for him? The team that never extended him or the team that traded prospects for him and wants to give him that financial commitment now? better chance he's going to sign with the new team that he got traded to. Even beyond that, you don't want Pete Alonso to get into another organization. If it's your vision to have him long-term, you just don't want to do it. You don't want to have that weird three month span or two month span, whatever it is, where Pete Alonso is wearing another Jersey. And when it comes to, should the Mets want Pete Alonso long-term, Again, I refer you to the fact that nobody has hit more home runs or has driven in more runs than Pete Alonso since he's debuted. He is without a doubt a top five, if not top three, if not just simply the best run producer in all of baseball. The guy shows up and he puts up numbers and he plays. Even when he gets hurt, he rushes back and maybe sometimes to his detriment, but the guy puts it all out there for his team. I look at free agency next year. And there's not a player that I want in that class outside of Juan Soto more than Pete Alonso. Signing, what, an Alex Bregman or Jose Altuve? For one, we don't know if those guys are trying to get to free agency. And two, I don't think that moving forward, either of them is going to produce at a rate better than Pete Alonso. You know, maybe a couple of years from now, you can get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You got his brother, you sign him. Maybe you can get Bo Bichette. There's going to be other good players that will hit free agency in the coming years, but not a lot. We just saw Bobby Witt Jr. get a contract extension. That's the growing trend now. If you have a superstar player, you sign them, just like the Mets should have five years ago. But they didn't, and that puts them in this position. So, yeah, there is a chance that Pete Alonso is not a Met in 2025, but I just can't, I, I personally can't wrap my head around it yet. And that's probably the fan in me still just like I couldn't wrap my head around Jacob DeGrom, not being a Met, even though the writing was on the wall. And afterwards it was like, Oh yeah, that was obvious. But when he still had that Mets uniform on and, you know, won that playoff game in 2022 and hit free agency, I still wholeheartedly believed that the Mets were going to sign Jacob DeGrom. You can go back and watch the old podcast for proof. Then it happened. Then they signed Justin Verlander. And I was like, Oh, I get it. And then, DeGrom needed Tommy John. You look back on you say, okay, the Mets probably made the right call through all of that, but there's still a part of me that when Jacob DeGrom comes back from Tommy John and hopefully is awesome again, that's going to be bitter about it, wishing that he was still in a Mets uniform, even with the fact that it probably wasn't the best investment. That's the, the type of emotional tie that a fan base has to a player that cannot be recreated. Yeah, the Mets signed Juan Soto Of course, fans are going to love him, but there's a reason why Francisco Lindor puts up good year after good year now, and there's still Mets fans who are sour on him because he's not a homegrown guy. And in a sport like baseball in particular, that means something more than probably in any other sport. That's why as Brandon Nimmo continues to produce, he's becoming more and more of a fan favorite because he has been here his entire career. I don't think that the Mets should just throw that relationship with Alonzo aside by trading him at the deadline. And of course, I'd love for them to extend him, but really, I'm just hoping that Alonzo puts up an insane contract here and the Mets end up in the playoffs because he carried them there and then he gets paid his due. And that's what I'll be talking about tomorrow's show. What does an insane Pete Alonzo contract year look like? Uh, so we'll go through all of that tomorrow. If you don't want to miss that show and you're listening on the audio side, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you are watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button, trying to make a push to 8,000 subs by opening day. We're definitely gaining traction. So appreciate all of you. Hit that subscribe. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. And now that you made it to end this show, head over to the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube covering everything in the world of sports, course i'm talking about locked on sports today with our local experts from each team and our league-wide experts from each league if i locked on sports today streaming 24 7 on youtube